Good morning. So anytime we plan one of these book studies, where we're looking at one book in the Bible, there, there's something that I'm keenly aware of. And that is, regardless of the size of the room, we're, um, we're on different spectrums when it comes to Bible study. Some of you might be here and you're like, man, I am the Bible study dude. I'm constantly in my word. I'm con- Some of you might be here and you're like new to Bible study or you, you don't spend a lot of time in the Bible at all. And so, and, and maybe you're here and you're in between that. In fact, I'll probably say most of us are in, in between there. Uh, maybe, maybe you fall on one spectrum or the other, and, and, and not, that's okay. But the challenge is to communicate these biblical truths to, to everyone on those spectrums. So I'm going to give you an outline. If you, if you know this, you know this. So Paul wrote most of the New Testament, about two-thirds of it, and most of, the, of his work was letters written to churches. We call them epistles. I don't know why, but... Let's call them letters, because that's what they were. They were letters. You with me? And, and so I'm going to give you an outline to most all of the letters. You ready? It starts off like this. Paul's like, hey, I'm Paul. That's, that's who I am. And, and he'll talk about grace somewhere. He's like, man, God's good to us. Isn't he, though, by the way? And, and then he'll say, hey, you're doing a couple things right. Here's what you're doing that's right. And then... He goes, but seriously, what are you thinking? And guess what chapter we're in today? But seriously, y'all, what are you thinking? So I'm going to tell you, there's going to be parts of today's kind of tough. It's tough to listen to, it's tough to talk about, uh, because I promise you everybody in the room is going to have that moment today. And, and here's what I'm concerned about, y'all. We've, we've tried to make church without the moments. And I'm going to tell you, we need those moments. We need those moments when the Holy Spirit has freedom to just go, listen, you're on the wrong path. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just going to speak for Dwayne. Man, I have yet, and I've been following the Lord 40 years. And I've yet to go to the Lord in prayer and say, you know, God, is there anything in me that doesn't need to be, you know, corrected? And him go, you're good. <laughs> Not one time. Not once. And so I, I want you to put on, this, these, put on this mindset this morning that if God speaks to you about correction, let him correct isn't that why you're here, by the way? Why did you come here on a Labor Day weekend? You could have went to the lake, but you came here because you want God to do something in you that you can't do for yourself. And if that's the case, then let him. So here we are. We're, we're in, in, in week five. The first week we talked about the, this truth. Please get this, that your identity is not... Uh, isn't determined by what you do for a living. It's not determined by your family. It's not determined by your geography. Your identity is determined by your relationship with Christ. And if you're in the room and you say, Dwayne, I don't have a relationship with Christ, you can. You can. The second week we talked about how Christ calls his followers to a higher standard of living. And you know what? That's not about what we drive and where we live. And, and listen, that's just not what that's about. Week three, we talked about the mystery of the gospel's been revealed. It's, there, there's not a mystery. Jesus came and revealed who God was. And we can know him. And we can know God. And the greater part of that mystery that has been revealed is God can live in us through his Holy Spirit. And then last week, uh, we said there's no life like new life. And that's just true, y'all. So today, I'm going to start with what I think might be the most convicting 
one verse in the whole New Testament. And here it is. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you're his dear children. Imitate God. Okay, I'll get right on that. Right? How do you imitate God? How do you imitate God? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. Now, I, remember, I've told you this before. Now, I mean, when, when Paul wrote these letters, he didn't go, all right, here's this letter to the church at Ephesus, chapter 1, verse 1. He didn't do that. He wrote a letter. And men divided them up into chapter and verses. And really, to get the beauty of what he's saying when, when he said imitate God, you really got to back up a, few, you know, a, a little bit. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. See, the tr here, here's our goal, y'all. How do we look like God? I wonder, and I don't... If, if a lost and dying world, if their image of who God is was based solely on our lives, what would they think of Him? Help us, Lord. And so what I want to try to give you today, right out of Ephesians chapter 5, are some ways that you and I... Now listen, we're never going to be... God's God, and if I could be like God, God wouldn't be a very big God. But what if, it, what if you and I could take one step toward looking a little more like God to our family, to our communities, to a lost and dying world? What and how would our world change? And I think it would change dramatically. So I'm going to give you, I don't know, I think I gave you five. We look like God, write this down, when we forgive completely. See, if you back up to Ephesians chapter 4, he said this. <laughs> right before he said, imitate God, he said this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Wow. And then he said, instead, instead of all of that, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, and then he went one step further. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. I wonder if you, like I, have ever withheld forgiveness because somebody didn't deserve it. I'm, I'm going to take your silence as a yes. Have you ever withheld forgiveness because... Well, I don't think they were really repentant. I don't think they were truly sorry. Oh, aren't you glad? Y'all, I remember the first time at 14 years old, I knelt and said, God, would you forgive me? And, and understanding that forgiveness was one of the most beautiful moments in my life. Second only to understanding this truth. I did nothing to deserve it. And he forgave me, uh-oh, here's the word, completely. Not because I deserved it. Not because I earned it. Not because I, I, I put the right amount of money in the offering plate because at that point I didn't have any. <laughs> I, I read this story that maybe... Maybe it'll help illustrate it. It's about a, a young man by the name of Bruce Goodrich. Bruce Goodrich was pledging for a cadet corps at Texas A&M University. And like many of those types of institutions or maybe a, a fraternity, there's, a, there's a, uh, a ritual of hazing and making them earn their way into the cadet by the the older cadets, and they were determined to make Bruce Goodrich run until he couldn't run anymore. They forced him to run until he dropped and passed out. The bad part of that story is Bruce Goodrich never got up. He died. 
Short time after that tragedy, his father wrote a letter to Texas A&M University, and I'd like to read you part of that letter. He wrote it to the administration, to the faculty, to the student body, and to the Corps of Cadets that killed his son. I would like to take this opportunity to express the appreciation of my family for the great outpouring of concern and sympathy from Texas A&M University and the college community over the loss of our son, Bruce. We were deeply touched by the tribute paid to him in the battalion. We were particularly pleased to note that his Christian witness did not go unnoticed during the brief, his brief time on campus. Now, this is what you got. You got, you got to grab. I hope it will be of some comfort to know that we harbor no ill will in the matter. We know our God makes no mistakes. Bruce had an appointment with his Lord and is now secure in his celestial home. When the question is asked, why did this happen? Perhaps one answer will be so that many will consider where they will spend eternity. Wow. Wow. I'm going to tell you, I have two sons. I don't know if I was... I don't know. I don't know. I want to be there. I want to, I want to be as forgiving as mortally, humanly possible. And, and, and here's the only way that's, that's possible. It's when the Christ that forgave me lives in my heart. And, and so we have to wrestle with this question. What does it look like to forgive like Jesus? And I'm going to tell you it's impossible. You can't forgive your son's murderers from a human perspective. It, there's no way. It's only possible in the context of our adoption into God's family. Did, did, you, did you catch the verse that we just read? Did you, did you imitate God, therefore, in everything you do? Why? Because you are His dear children. That's only possible in the context of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's the only way it's possible. We did nothing to deserve that adoption, by the way. In fact, the opposite is true. Our lives would indicate exclusion from God's family. Huh. We've been called to imitate God in everything we do. And so maybe we look like God when those of us who might have been wronged by society, by family, by friends, by institutions, by other people, by the people you love the most, if you walk in complete forgiveness, not because they deserve it, but because your Heavenly Father, through His Son Jesus, offers you forgiveness just like that. That is when we look like God. I don't know if I can do that, Dwayne. Nope, you sure can't. But the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you can. See, I... I, everybody's favorite verse, not everybody's, but many people's autograph verse or many people's Facebook verse is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's easy to say the easy stuff, isn't it? What about when it's hard to forgive? You still can. Is it, is it a challenge? Of course it is. If it weren't, everybody would look like God. I wonder if we, I don't know, do we live in a, in a society that forgives easily? Of course not. Let's, let's be different, y'all. Let's be different. We forgive completely. We read Ephesians 5, 2, let's go on, where he said, after he told us to live a life, that imitates God. He said, live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered us himself as a sacrifice for us. A pleasing aroma to God. So if you take a note, you can write this down. We forgive completely and we love sacrificially. So I guess first, before, before we can really understand that, let's, de let's define love. What does love look like? Is love a feeling? Is, is it a belief? Is it emotion? Is it an action? All of the above. 
Yes, it is all of those things. Here's something that our culture doesn't understand. I can extend love to you, right? I can receive love from you. Those two things are mutually exclusive. In other words, if I'm going to love you like Christ loved you, I can love you, I can extend love to you without receiving love from you. That's the part we haven't figured out. I love you as long as I'm getting something from you. That's not love, y'all. In order to, uh, in order to love like Christ, I, I have to love like He loved. I have to, res- I don't have to receive love to extend love. I don't have to get something in order to give something. You see, if I get something in order to give something, that's not love. That's a transaction. Maybe, I can, maybe, maybe this will help you understand. Um, Don and I have been married a little while. And uh, as, especially when I'm in those seasons while I'm at school, most of the housework falls on her shoulders because when I'm not doing my church stuff, I'm doing school stuff, and it falls on her, it, it falls on her shoulders. But every once in a while, you know, she'll come home, and I'll have cleaned the kitchen spotlessly. Because I can clean a kitchen. Can I not? I can clean a kitchen. But see, here's, see if, if you guys are love languages people, my love language is words of affirmation. So guess what I'm waiting on as she walks into the kitchen after a long day? I'm waiting for her to go, oh, Dwayne. You have no idea how I have married the most wonderful man on the planet. I, go sit down. I'll bring you your slippers and a pipe. No. But see, that's my love language. You know what her love language is? Acts of service. And so I can't speak her love language and, and expect her to speak mine. I must speak her language without any expectation. That's the kind of love that Christ offered. Oh, that's hard, though, isn't it? Because we want, we want people, we love somebody, we want them to love us back, right? Mm. <laughs> the love that the New Testament talks about is so much different than what this culture calls love. Is love an action? Of course. Of course. But it's an action based on belief. Christ loved us on the cross not to get something from us, but because we were made in His image. And we're His creation. And He just he loves us, not because of what we can do for Him, but because we are, period. Because I'm a follower of Christ. And I've been called to imitate God. I'm called to love humanity just like that. To imitate God. I've got to love you even if you don't love me back. How many of you believe that God loves the world? I believe that. But the world doesn't love God. And if, it, if you were our God, here's what we do. We'll forget them. Right? That's exactly what we would do. You know what God does? He keeps loving. He keeps loving. He keeps loving. How do we love like that? He told us, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love isn't jealous. Love isn't boastful or proud or rude. Uh Uh-oh, it does not demand its own way. Okay, y'all, I'm telling you, I didn't write this. I'm just reading it to you. It is not irritable. It isn't hangry. Oh, that's not there. I, I, I put that in there. You know who you are. Keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't rejoice about injustice. Rejoices 
whenever the truth wins out, listen, love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Listen to me. That kind of love is risky. That kind of love is sacrificial. But listen, you know what God could have done? God could have created us and put us on this planet and, and taken away a very dangerous gift. He could have taken away our ability of free will. He could have created us and said, they have no choice but to love me. They have no choice but to worship me. They have no choice but to obey me. And that's what we would have been, a, a world full of obedient robots. But God did, when God created us, he gave us a very dangerous gift. He gave us the choice to love him or to not love him. And I'm going to tell you, not everybody's going to love you. You, you, you love me right now? Listen to me. You don't get a choice on who you get to love. You don't get a choice. You love everybody. You know why? Because we're imitating God. Mm. It's sacrificial. Look what God sacrificed. His only, only son. I wish I'd have gave you a blank for this, so just listen carefully. You will never be more like God than when you love someone when there is zero chance of you receiving anything in return. You'll never be more like God than in that moment. Y'all, can I tell you something because I love you? We, we got to get out of this thought. We got to get out of this habit. We got to get out of this mindset that people owe us anything. You're called to this planet as a follower of Christ, as a servant. Now, listen, I, I don't want you to be a doormat. Don't get me wrong. If we're, if we're going to miss it, let's miss it on the side of extending love, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard. All right, here we go. <laughs> he jumps right out of that into verse 3 and says this, But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because there are, these are improper for God's holy people. Who's he talking to, by the way? The church. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Wow. It's pretty heavy, isn't it? If that's heavy, just kind of nod at me. Write this down if you're taking notes. We pay attention. We look like God when we pay attention to the guardrails. Um, so let, let me, what Paul is doing here is he's, he's talking to the church and he says, you've got a bunch of junk in your life that doesn't belong. Now, fortunately, we don't deal with any of this stuff anymore, right? <laughs> we don't deal with any obscenities and sexual immorality and impurity. We don't deal with any of that anymore. That's all gone, right? None, nobody, no... No Christians in 2022 deal with any of that stuff, right? Okay, hashtag sarcasm, right? So, how about, uh, let's, let's, let's just play a, a little mind trick here, mind game. Let's imagine you're walking on a secluded beach. Walking on a secluded beach, and you see that a, a huge pirate's treasure chest has washed up on the shore in the middle of the night. And you're thinking, yes. Yes. And you go and open the treasure chest expecting to see what? Gold, treasure, doubloons. <laughs> and you open it up and guess what it's filled with? Sand. It's just sand. Somebody sees you there and walks up to you and says, you're obviously disappointed. And, of course, I was expecting it to be filled with treasure. 
He said, well, I, I don't want to see you disappointed. I just happen to be a billionaire, so here's what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to give you as much gold as you can fit in that treasure chest. Is that good news? What do you got to do first? You got to scoop the sand out, don't you? So I'm going to tell you, God's offered you life, abundant life, and blessing beyond measure. But sometimes we got to make room for those blessings. And sometimes the way, the way we make room for those blessings is scooping out the junk. I wonder if, if, if we were to agree together. Um, we, we live in a, in a junky world, don't we? And it's easy for that stuff. It, look what he said in verse 5. But for this, you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person. Such a person is an idolater. And, and that, that's, that sounds like such harsh language. But you know what an idol genuinely is? Anything that we put in place of God. So here's what he's telling us that you, you and I have got to do. And you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to go, all right, well, your sin is more, is, is, takes up more space in the trunk than mine. I mean, it's not how that works, right? I, I used to love that, 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 that meme that was going around that says, you know, don't, don't judge me because you sin differently than I do. Right? Okay. I, I, would, I would venture to say that everybody in the room's got some sand in your chest. And so what he was saying is all that stuff is you've, you've, you've put in place of God. And we can do that. Listen, we can do that with, with relationships, and we can do that with addictions and habits. We can do that with the things he talked about, with immorality and impurity and, and that might look like a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but it's all sand. And here's what we must do. We must put God in his place in our lives. In other words, if there's something in you that you've allowed to become more important than God, it's an idol. And, and listen, I'm not going to see his face if I've got an idol. And that's, I, that's just what the Bible says, by the way. So I want to kill those idols, and I want to, I want to turn my face toward Christ. And, and listen, and I, I'm sure that his, um, you know, that the culture of the first century was not a lot different than the culture of our, than we, we, we deal with. A lot of what Paul talked about was sexual sin. A lot of it. Read the New Testament. There is an awful lot of conversation, and I'm sure that the same is true for us today. So I, it's become, I don't know, it, it's become, uh, we've come to the place where we just don't talk about it anymore. And that's, we're never going to look like God. We're never going to imitate God. If we don't follow his direction and we don't do things God's way. So I'm just going to, I think you probably know this, but I just want you to hear me. Let me be clear. I believe, our church believes that sexual activity is reserved for a permanent marital relationship between one man and one woman. Any other sexual relationship is outside of God's plan. And you say, Dwayne, I don't agree with you. I, okay. I'm just, and, and they're, 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 you don't have to agree with me. I'm just telling you how I've interpreted what I've read in Scripture and, and the stance we've chosen to take at a church, as a church. Is that a popular one? No. But oh, by the way, that doesn't give us a right to, to be jerks. No, we don't, we don't have time for that. When we live holy lives, lives that imitate God, we send a message to a world that has become increasingly less like God than any time in history. Now, now, now let me see if I can package this for you. We tell the truth. Do you know why? Because God is truth. We are faithful to our spouses because God is faithful. 
We are generous because God is giving. We love because God is love. When we imitate God, two things happen. We find joy in abundant lives, and our lives then become a witness that God's way works because it does. You've heard me, oh, help me, Jesus. You've heard me say over and over again, it's okay to not be okay. Do you believe that? We cannot use that as an excuse for our immoral lives. <laughs> You've heard me say, we're never, going to, uh, we're never going to see perfection until we see Jesus' face. And I believe that we can't use that as an excuse to give up trying to look like Jesus. You know, Don and I were on, on date night the other, Friday night, I guess. And, and I love the, the guardrails illustration, that God has established some guardrails for us, right? You, the Bible's full of them. And, and, and as a teenager, I thought, well, God just doesn't want me to have any fun. <laughs> and and I, I've since learned that God was trying to keep things out of my life that was going to kill me. Right. Or, or keep things out of my life that were going to rob me of the joy that he had for me keep things out of my life that were going to keep me outside of his plan because he loves me he wants me inside and so i was i was doing something i hope that there are no law enforcement people that are watching <laughs> i may or may not have been doing something on my phone while i was driving down the road i know none of y'all ever do that and so all of a sudden, I hear this noise. I, I ran across those little rumble strips on, on the white line. And you know what those are there for? You're about to go off the guardrail. I, I bet if we were to get, real, get in a circle and get real honest with each other, Every time you've stepped outside of God's plan for your life, every time you've stepped, you've gone outside the guardrail, every, can we just call it what it is? Every time you've sinned and you knew you sinned, guess what? God sent you a rumble strip. <laughs> you know, I, I, we used to say things like, oh, he fell into sin. No, you didn't. Because God loves you enough to give you that rumble strip. God loves you enough to let you know, man, I'm, I'm about to get off the road. I'm about to get off the path. And here's where we, here's, here's the part where we got to do better. We, we got to stop ignoring those strips. We got to stop. And, and what it is, that's the Holy Spirit that lives in you that's going, son, I love you. Um, get back on the road. Get back on the right path. And we'll ignore those strips. We'll ignore that sound. We'll ignore that nudge from the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you, if we're going to look like God, we got to do things God's way. Right. Let's keep going. Ephesians 5, verse 17. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. If you take a note, write this down. We walk with the wise. Here's my shameless plug for you being connected to a local church and you being connected to a local church. Hey, if you're watching online and you can't get to church, we're glad that we're able to come into your living room. Hey, if you're watching online and you're, you're away on, on a, a Labor Day weekend, man, I'm glad you're here. If, if you're watching online and you're a mile and a half away from this church and, and healthy, come to church. <laughs> I love you, love my heart. Next Sunday morning, get up. Get dressed, go to church. Amen? Because Amen. a great way to learn to imitate Christ is to spend time with other people who are trying to imitate Christ. In fact, you know who you ought to hang out with? Somebody that's doing a better job at it than you are. Yeah? Hang out with somebody that's, that's a little bit further down the road than you are. <laughs> If you are the most spiritually person, spiritually mature person that you know, you need to do two things. First of all, repent because that's pride. 
Second of all, find some other people to hang out with. L- listen to me. Um, I, 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 listen to, I listen to communicators who are much better at this than I am. You know why? Because I want to get better. I, I hang out with pastors who are much better at this than I am. You know why? Because I want to get better. I want to hang out with people who are further down the road than I am. But we can't stop there, can we? No, no, no. Listen, I want to, you've seen me do this a thousand times, and, if, and, and before I go to glory, I want you to get this for your Christian walk. Everybody in this room ought to have your hand in two other hands. You ought to have your hand in somebody's hand who's further down the road than you are, a little bit more spiritually mature than you are, so they can help you. And you ought to have your hand in the hand of somebody that's not where you're at, that you can help. You ought to be You ought to have somebody in your life that's discipling you, and you ought to be discipling somebody else. That's how this works. You walk with the wise. (laughs) And then lastly, I wanted this to get here. He said, and further, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, now let me tell you, if you keep reading in verse 5, he goes on a, a discourse about the husband's relationship to his wife. And, but I need to, I, I've studied this pretty hard. He, he's not just talking to husbands and wives in verse 21. He's still talking to the church. He starts talking to husbands and wives in verse 22. He says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, if you're really in love with Jesus, you need to work on your relationships. So write that down. We relate with reverence. Let me tell you, I need to filter every relational interaction that I have through my relationship with Christ. In, in other words, I, Don, I've been married a long time. I need to relate to her, not because she's good looking and I love spending time with her, even though those things are very true. I need to treat her the way Christ would have me treat her. I need to relate to her like Christ would have me relate to her. You guys are my friends. I need to treat you the way Christ would have me treat you. I don't need to treat you in response to how you treat me. I need to love you sacrificially. Didn't we talk about that already? Every relationship we have. So maybe it looks like this. Maybe you're having a conversation with, with your friend, with a coworker. Maybe you start asking this question. Is Christ pleased with how I'm speaking to my friend? Maybe we ask this question. Is Christ pleased in how I'm speaking about my friend? What would happen? What would happen if you and I Spent our lives trying to do those five things. Trying to live our lives. Now listen, it's only possible, I told you at the very beginning, when the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts. Walking in complete forgiveness. Loving others sacrificially. Paying attention to those guardrails. Walking with the wise, in other words, learning from those who have gone before us. And then treating each other and filtering our relationships through our relationship with Christ. What would our world look like then? Just those five things. You know, we talk a lot about outreach. We talk a lot about wanting to win our community. Y'all, I I think it has to start there. I think it has to start with how we treat each other, how we love each other, how we reflect the image of God. You, by the way, were created in His image. Your greatest purpose in life is not what you do, it's who you reflect. 
Don's going to come play, and we're going we're gonna to pray. And, and I, I think what I want to, how we want to end our, our time together today is by searching our hearts. Because I'm going to tell you, uh, this was convicting for me. You know, I can honestly say there's been times when I have not forgiven completely. There's been times when I haven't loved sacrificially. There's been times when I've intentionally crossed those guardrails. I bet I'm not the only one in the room. There's been times when I've treated people like I wanted to treat them, not not how I believe Christ would have me treat them. But I've been challenged recently. Honestly, it really started my trip to Israel a couple of years ago. I've, I've been challenged to want to reflect the glory of God in my life. And, and y'all, that's, that's not something we can do. How, how do I want to say this? That's a daily walk, y'all. Because I... I hope you're okay with your pastor saying this. There, there are things every day where I'll think that didn't look very much like Jesus. And, and frankly, more often than not, it's, that didn't sound very much like Jesus. So at the end of our time together, I'm going to ask this question. And, and this is one of those questions that I want us to be introspective. And, and I want us to, want us to search our hearts. And here's the question. How accurate is my imitation of God? How accurate is my imitation of God? What if? What if the only representation of God to your community, to your friends, to your place of business, to your family, what if the only representation of God was you? What would people think about the God that you serve? My youth pastor growing up had this challenge, and he would say this over and over and over and over again, and it was so convicting. He said, Dwayne, you could be the only Bible some people ever read. And what he was telling us is that there's people in your life that will never darken the doors of the church. What are you showing them about who God is? There are people who never open. There are people that you're, you're going to come in contact with that, that may never open their Bibles, that may never pray, but what are they going to learn about God from you? How challenging is that? So I, I want you to bow your heads with me. We're going to pray to that end. Because, frankly, I want to be a better representation of God. I want to imitate Him better. But I do need to let you know one thing. It's impossible to imitate God unless He lives inside of you. So if you're here this morning, you're watching online, and you don't have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus, I would challenge you to open that door. I would challenge you to surrender your life to Jesus. Let me tell you what he promises. He promises abundant life. He promises eternal life. And he promises sacrificial love, complete forgiveness, wisdom for your life. That he's got a purpose and a plan for you. And so before you you worry about reflecting God on the outside, I want you to make sure that he's alive inside, that he's, he lives in your heart. The Bible says that we would confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is raised from the dead that would be saved. The Bible says That God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. 
So if you're here today, I would challenge you. Receive Christ. Surrender your life to Him today. If you're here today and you know Jesus and you're following Him, maybe, maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. Maybe there's somebody you need to love. Maybe there's something that you need, maybe there's one of those areas where you need to do a better job of imitating God and looking like Jesus. Mm. Maybe there's a relationship that you've gotten selfish in. Maybe you need some wisdom. I just challenge you to respond to the Lord today. So I want you to search your heart. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, search our hearts this morning. God, I know that the challenge you've given us this morning is so, it's so tall. Imitate God. How can we do that? How can we love like you loved and forgive like you forgave? How can we walk as wisely as, as you walked? God, I recognize that the only way we can do that is when you live in us and you mold us and shape us. God, the only way we can stay inside those guardrails is when the Spirit of God lives and walks within us. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And I'm just going to challenge you to let the Lord speak to your heart today. Here's what I believe. I believe that God's calling someone. Maybe you've held forgiveness from someone because you didn't feel like they deserved it, but God showed you today that just God's forgiven you. In fact, unless you do he can't forgive you wow maybe you've been waiting on somebody to love you in your love language here's what I challenge you to do just love sacrificially just love somebody without expecting anything in return and watch God do an incredible work in you Oh, we love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, sing, Don. Holy. There is no one like you, there is none beside you, open up my eyes in wonder, show me who you are and fill me with your heart and leave me in your love to those around me. Come on, you stand your feet. We're going to sing this chorus as a declaration and as a prayer. I'll build my life. Listen, if I build my life on Dwayne, I'm in trouble. But I'm going to build my, my life on God's ways. And what we've been talking about today is God's ways. To love like he loved and to forgive like he forgave. To filter every relationship that we have through our relationship with Christ. Come on, let's worship the Lord. I'll build my life. Thank you, Lord. Come on, sing to the top of your lungs. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you. And I will not be 
someone, I'll build my life. That's our prayer. That's our declaration today, oh God. We'll build our life on your word and on your love. It's a firm foundation. Here's why because he's holy. Holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder, show me who you are, and fill me with your heart and Lord, in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that, uh, <laughs> Lord, we've all got some sand in our trunks. Would you just help us? We want to be more like you, and sometimes we just don't know how. So would you teach us, would you lead us to be more like you? Sometimes we don't know how to forgive, and we don't know how to love, and this is and our humanity gets in our way. God, thank you that you died on the cross to free us from our humanity, to set us free from the laws of sin and death. So God, help us. Help us be more like you. Help us to love like you. Help us to look like you. God, we want to imitate you to a lost and dying world that so desperately needs to know who you are. Hey, if that's your prayer, I want you to agree with me just by offering the Lord an ovation of praise. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great, great, great weekend, Labor Day. Hey, find somebody that wasn't here today. Shoot them a text. Let them know you missed them. God bless you.